0: Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce?
1: Served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence.
0: This episode of Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce is brought to you by Brannigan Inc. For nearly two decades, Brannigan Inc. has energized brands in the entertainment industry, helping fairs and festivals connect with audiences. Their creative, results-driven marketing approach drives attendance and makes communications fun. Check them out at BranniganInc.com.
1: Also, this episode is brought to you by Spectrum Weather Insurance. Spectrum Weather Insurance provides a variety of rain, heat, severe weather, and event cancellation insurance customized for your specific event. They have the experience and expertise that hundreds of events rely on each year. Visit them at SpectrumWeatherInsurance.com. remember the time when people took pictures on a camera that had film in it? I do, yeah. Do you?
0: Yeah, we would always get disposable cameras mm. in mm-hmm. high school. Yeah. And the fun thing was, is even though when the film was done and before you develop it, if you hit it just right on your palm, the flash would go off. So then you'd sneak up by people and then you'd just flash them in their eyes. Oh, one of my favorite things, especially on site, is I enjoy taking selfies, but in the background is always you're so you. so beautiful. Yes. And the selfie is always of you in the background on your phone, whether it be you talking to someone or you texting someone or you're looking something up. So it's like, oh, here's me at an event, but then you are always in the background on your phone and it's so, super funny.
1: So how many of these? Cause oh, I, dozens. Dozens. See- Really? I have a
0: lot. Maybe I should make like a compilation, like a slideshow?
1: You should, because I've remembered you taking like maybe one or two that I've noticed, but because I'm probably on my phone, you I are. don't notice.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. I
1: have a lot. You should maybe put out a like a coffee table book.
0: Ooh. All the times Bruce is on his phone, phone. and then I'm always in the foreground because it's like it looks like I'm you don't notice. Because it looks like I'm just on my phone. But then in the side view is always you. You have my best side. Putsing
1: around. (laughs) They're
0: both your best sides.
1: Mm. (laughs) Tony, on some of the videos, when you look, I was kind of giving Justine a a little bit of a Peter Gabriel lesson from the beginning to now. And we'd be watching videos of you on there. there. And you've always been, you've even given me, photos along the way of peter gabriel and things like that that i have framed in my basement here but was there ever a time that peter ever just kind of turned to his left and looked at you and said hey do you want to put the camera down we're in the middle of a song right now (laughs) uh
2: not in words but in action (laughs) really absolutely yes i think uh uh what's the word yeah yeah absolutely i've 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 First of all, he's open, wonderful and open-minded and lets me do stuff. But I have long known that, that he wasn't thrilled with me taking too many pictures or making it obvious. Uh, and indeed on my, uh, some of his tours, I have a, a tripod set up. Uh, so it's not me picking up the camera or I have both. Uh, but with the tri- tripod set up, he'll do things like, uh, there, there's one piece probably in that same tour where Peter rode a bicycle around the round stage while he was singing a, a song uh around stage by the way that was spinning in the opposite direction from his bicycle but that's another story and, and he would just happen to run over my camera tripod every every <laughs> night
0: <laughs> on accident <laughs> on absolutely
2: it's <accident. laughs> not a funny coincidence just yeah. that was, imagine that on his, yeah so we have that going on and uh, and that's fine through the years i i've always appreciate especially this last year which i spent much of the year going through my old photos and collating them to make a, a book that made sense and that was special for people who wanted to get a, a view of life behind the scenes on the road uh, i really appreciate all the musicians i've been out with who uh who didn't love me taking their picture but i did it endlessly and i did it so much that, that they eventually just took it for granted and it became part mm-hmm. of our life and i'm 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 appreciative more than Usual
1: to them because of the it enabled me to have this book of, of really special memories. Mm-hmm. And I have a I still have more questions uh, to ask you, Tony. But let's talk about your new book that is out. A, do you have a photo of Peter giving you that look in the book? <laughs> um, <laughs> and also, I mean, it is just the the artist you have. It, I mean, it is just your career and. The opportunity that you've had to take pictures of these artists, share them with the world and kind of a different perspective, like you said, backstage from the stage rather than always from the audience looking up. I I just love looking at them because people like us that are in this business, you see all of that and you have mental images of that, but you putting them in a book so people can enjoy them. It's just great. I, I really mm-hmm. enjoy that.
2: Well thanks. thanks. I called, the, I called the book Images from a Life on the Road and uh, what, what prompted the book, I, I had the photos, I had the negatives and the, the transparency, but it was the last year of lockdown that, that in the near the beginning of the lockdown, I thought, well, Thank- this could be the year that I finally put together that book because uh, uh, not really for myself. I felt like the photos deserve it. I felt like through the years, just from luck, from taking so many photos and being where I am. uh, Through the years I I assembled some photos that are just special for, because they're a vantage point that nobody else had. And the pictures kind of deserve to be out there and to be seen by the public, that's all. Instead of just being something that I had for myself that I liked. So it was a a gigantic but fun job uh, collating tens of thousands. I mean, I've been taking pictures on the road since the, at least since the seventies, maybe some from mm-hmm. the sixties that I didn't bother with, but a long time, a lot of pictures and in different formats. And, and uh, so, so as I was collating them, I was putting together in my head, a sense of how to present them because I could have done it uh, chronologically, or I could have done it by band by band, Peter Gabriel section of a chapter of King Crimson. And I decided to make it uh, a little bit like, uh, to make the experience of, of of looking at the book a little bit like visiting a a band on the road. So the first chapter is is, uh, pictures of travel, of getting to the venue. And then there's a chapter of arriving at venues of lots of pictures of backstage, because that's where a lot of fun stuff happens and quirky stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys practicing backstage. You get, I'm sure you can't get through this book without realizing how much of the day uh, the layers are practicing backstage especially drummers they just spend the whole day drunk. anyway uh then shows uh, pictures of course from on stage and in the early years uh, with peter gabriel uh and with king crimson yes i was thinking back uh i had a tripod set up on stage and i would take pictures i had a foot pedal attached to the tripod to the camera on the tripod I, in those days you had to focus and and do the exposure before the before the event there was no automatic stuff so i was uh I would do that, and, and then I put that foot pedal among my bass foot pedals. So anytime I was playing, I could just, on, on the sly, hit this, uh, even Peter didn't know that. <laughs> oh. I was doing that. Yes, uh, I could hit this and, and get a picture with myself in it of the, of the the band or what was going on, or if something special happened in the show. So I know when I joined King Crimson, the very first note of the first show, I was sure to get a picture of that, and that was special to me. And then there were times with Peter Gabriel he, he does this piece called Shock the Monkey, where in concert, uh, he jumps up. On, every time he sings the word shock, he jumped up. And somehow we 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 gravitated to the three of us, uh, David Rose, the guitar player, and Peter, and and I uh, jumping. And I picked up that foot pedal and squeezed the bulb. It's, a, it's just an air bulb. Old Talk about analog and old fashioned. Uh, I would squeeze it as we jumped and sang shock and played a note. And as you can imagine, a lot of the photos came out terribly because of <laughs> any of 10 reasons. I could have been blocking the camera's view of mm-hmm. Peter. Uh, it could have been out of focus, all that. And, and there was no way to tell. In those days, I'd have to take it to a, a, a one-hour photo developing place somewhere in Europe and, and then find out you know, a day later. That, anyway, that was then. Uh, so remarkably, a few of those came out. And those, th- those are treasured pictures to me I was happy to put them in a book and just let them loose on the world because uh, you you can kind of see the the triggering bulb in my hand Mm -hmm. and you you can't see that Peter was like "Hmm, Tony's taking (laughs) pictures again (laughs) he doesn't have the camera but he has this thing in his hand that has nothing to do with this piece Uh, uh, you can't see that on his face but I I chose the photos where you can't see it where there's no evidence of, of the other things going on
1: well the picture I sent you was of us on our Harleys yeah justine, justine has it has a little hair going. Ear. happy so guys have, yeah so i have that framed here but you
0: have a lot more hair here bruce uh
1: yeah and i do i have my porn mustache then no uh,
0: i don't think so no
1: okay but so tony that's the idea for your next book that picture could be on the cover and then it could <laughs> be it could be just schmoes from the road just <laughs> road you know road. random dudes that you met on the road
2: <laughs> wow no i thought you were going to say pictures all my pictures of bruce they deserve <laughs> a, a, a book,
1: here's a book. <laughs> yeah i only they, have six of them but it's yeah only six book. of them but they're great they're uh mm-hmm, they okay. tell a story all in its own but. well i
0: so like you tony i really enjoy taking pictures and uh-huh. so I've been working with Bruce uh, for about a dozen years now. And usually what my MO is, is I will get a picture with me in the foreground and him in the background, but it's always him on his phone. So uh-huh. I have a series, probably 50 photos or more, various places of places we go and have events at. Wonderful where
2: stuff going in- on. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: then he's always in the background, you know, doing the phone and the, oh my goodness. And yeah, so that would be my book of you know, Bruce in the background on his phone. Yes.
2: As, as, as is much of the world, much of the world is on yeah. the phone. And in fact, I, I don't want to keep going back to my book, but one of the early pictures is, uh, in, in, uh, South America, we, we had, we had just got off the plane and we were in Costa Rica. Uh, it's the band stick man. And we we're on the road and, 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 uh, In a typical situation, we're waiting, we're outside the airport waiting for a ride somewhere and it's not there and all the guys are on their cell phones. So it's five guys (laughs) on their cell phones. And I thought that actually is a poignant, uh, a moment, a moment where you can see, even though we're in clearly in a special place and it's a special tour and everything could be great. What what are we doing? We're on our cell phones, uh, meandering around,
1: waiting, waiting for something to happen, for a chance to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tony, you have been a session musician, a touring artist, singer, songwriter. Of those three, what do you just going to tell me that you like them all? Or what is, what do you, what, what's your favorite?
2: Oh, what I love, that's an easy, thank you for that question. That's the easiest question ever. What I love (laughs) to do, what I love to do is play the bass and play music and what I, most love to do of the uh, different ways to do that is to play live, to play concerts with people and to share what I've finally learned through all these years. There's something magical about sharing music and there's something that brings together, not just the band, but the band and the audience and and a common part of our humanity that doesn't get written about much. And I don't really know a great way to express it in words, but I know that everybody who's been to a concert knows what I'm talking about. Uh, So, what a lucky thing to be able to, to spend my life doing those nights that are very special, those concerts that bring us together. And uh, that's uh, by far my favorite thing. So of course, this last year, when I'm leaning back on the other things I can do, which Mm -hmm. are still musical and and still Mm -hmm. great, I'm very much looking forward to, to more of what I what I live to do, which is play music for other people.
0: And as it, people are listening to your music and they get inspired to play themselves or, you know, go on their own ventures, who who inspires you the most as far as musically?
2: A good, very good question. There's no one that's the most, but uh, I grew up, of course, being inspired by by Oscar Pettiford, Ray Brown, some old time bass players, jazz bass players that, that were my older brother, Pete, was the one who could get records. You know what it's like, the older kid gets the records and the younger kid listens to those records. And 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 who knew, but this younger kid was inspired for a whole lifetime by some of the bass players I've heard. But let me equally say that the bass playing now that that is around on the web that we have access to uh, by very young people and a lot of uh, women, a lot of female bass players who are just staggering uh, in their ability and, and and they inspire me this year and and to this day. And we'll continue to do that. Uh, 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 Young people are doing amazing things. And, and I would say there are new frontiers in bass
1: playing uh, that, that are inspiring even to an old bass player like me. Mm -hmm. Going along those same lines, everybody goes to see Peter Gabriel, but really to see Tony Levin. Oh yeah. I keep telling him
2: that. I keep (laughs) telling Peter that. You know, these people are here to see me.
1: Of course. I mean, <laughs> I think half the time on uh, most of those shows, on those videos, you get a larger applause than Peter does.
2: Oh, uh, that's <laughs> I, I, I haven't listened to the, 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 okay. the, the videos, but I doubt that.
1: Who does, who does uh, Tony Levin get goosebumps at going to see that show? Good question, but as I've
2: said before, I don't get time to go to shows. Uh, not only now, but, but uh, when I'm uh, in a normal year, I'm on the road really all the time doing my own shows. So I'll, I'll get, if I get the chance to see anybody, I'm glad to go see them. Uh, the last band that I, uh, that I actually traveled, flew somewhere to see because I, I, I just didn't want to miss their shows was a very unusual band called Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. I'm not sure they're together anymore but uh, there you go you ask a question like that you get an answer sleepy time Gorilla museum yeah so i flew to detroit i had seen them in new york and i'd seen them in austin and i I said i, I got to see them one more time so so there's a, an example but it's a very unusual for me because uh, as i said i'm
1: my general life is i'm working every night i can't go to shows so where in the yeah we're in the album section am i uh searching <laughs> for sleepy time <laughs> You know what, like most musicians, something I'm
2: really bad at is genres. I don't put things into categories in my brain and I don't really follow what, I don't even know the music that I put out, what people call it. They can, whatever they want, I guess. Uh, it's okay with me, but, but so I can't tell you what genre it is, but it's pretty darn weird. And, and it appealed, the re- the reason they appealed to me is, is it, the, the, the music was great. The compositions were great, but it, it seemed to me, to have elements of the complexity of uh, sophisticated musicians but played with a tribal ferocity that and a naivety that, that really seems like well those players aren't sophisticated at all and then the, 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 it seems to combine both I'm, I'm really generalizing about what it is about the band that appealed to me specifically there was also the musicianships of each of the players uh, but but a combination of, of uh, qualities that isn't usually together in the same band I, n- I
1: never answered that particular question i hope i did okay with that answer
0: we're listening to them right well after fine, finally finally yeah. actually
1: <laughs> said that one of my questions was actually good because every time justine asks uh, a question oh that's fabulous a good- question <laughs> well
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh tony i was reading an article by rolling stones that listed off um like the greatest bass players not of the year not of the decade it was like greatest bass players of all time of like the history of time and they ranked you at number 42 are you flattered by that do you think that's just nonsense or are you like i made the list uh
2: all of those probably all of those (laughs) i'm flattered uh there are there we bass players know there are no greatest bass players. Uh, there are bass players that we admire and we love and we learn from, and there's a lot of those, but that doesn't make them better than the other bass players that we haven't heard. There's, Mm -hmm. I haven't met a human being that I think really heard all the bass players that there are even that there are now, let alone through history. So, uh, Having said that, I'm flattered that anybody thinks I'm good, or, and anybody paid attention to to what it is I do, I would be doing it just as happily if nobody paid attention. And if they were paying attention to the artist whom I'm backing up, that would be fine with me. But if they pay me some attention, that's very nice and, and very kind. That was a great question, Bruce. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. I wish,
2: I wish you had answered it. <laughs>
0: Well, they're definitely paying attention because on their little explanation of your paragraph, it was like on and on about changing music, like changing the history of music. So they're paying
1: attention.
2: Wow. That's very nice. Very kind. I did not read that.
1: So going back in time, I I need to- I'm loving you,
2: this question. I'm uh, loving this question. It's already Tony it's taken, me to, it's you taken are me to a place <laughs> that, yep. that I haven't been to. <laughs> Well, I was back in time. I was there and oh, go on, but go see, on, go on.
1: I see that your finger is about ready to end this uh, interview, <laughs> but uh, yes, that's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what it was like uh, when you were asked to be on John Lennon's album.
2: Great question. Thank
1: you. Thank you for, that. <laughs> Thank you for that, question. that. It's about time you got one. You nailed it. I know. I
0: Well, that was number one on your list. Yeah, right it then. was right at yes. the top yeah, right of my list
1: and I've yes. saved it till now.
2: <laughs> yes, it was an honor. It was really special. I, in those days, I was doing a lot of New York sessions, so um, I didn't jump out of my skin and say, this is the biggest opportunity I've ever had. I just thought this is great. and And who knows why it's me that got called for this, but uh, how wonderful. And then as I met John, his first word, I remember his first words to me. Uh, they say, you're good, just don't play too many notes. A Very kind of New York confrontational, uh, but acceptable way. And, and, and I'd smiled and, and thought this is great because he, he, someone had told him I'm good. And he thought, oh, he's one of those guys who's going to play fast. He didn't realize what I knew is that I don't play too many notes at all. And it's going to be fine. And it was fine musically. And uh, it was an honor. And, and uh, of course, the way history went, the way it turned out, it was more special even than I realized at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, there was gonna be a world tour of that, with that, that band and, that, and Yoko and John both doing their songs. So it was very special. Uh, one, I'll tell you a little regret. I don't have many regrets about anything musically I've done. I have some regrets about things I turned down and should have done. But the one regret I have is it, it, on a playback, I went into the control room with my camera, of course. And before I took a picture, I said is it, to John and Yoko both, I said, is it okay if I take a picture? And John said, no, I'd rather you didn't. Mm. So I didn't take a picture. Now I wish, th- that's a, an amateur photographer who's, who's good, who's really into it. What I wish was I was a professional photographer who would have taken the picture and then asked. And it would have probably come out okay. He wouldn't have kicked me off the session And I really wish I had done that. I really wish I had one photo from that session, and you you can just picture me with the camera next to me the whole uh, two weeks. Uh, But but it didn't take two weeks. Once he had said that, I knew I better not take pictures. Uh, So it was a pleasure, great pleasure, and an honor being part of it. And and I have often thought that uh, it was just coincidence. I haven't. I think I I have somewhere a, a radio interview he did where they where he says something like, "Well." uh willie weeks was busy and he couldn't do it so we got this guy tony levin he turned out good uh um so i've often thought back how how life is full of these uh chance happenings you know i wouldn't have done it if if willie weeks a great bass player had, had done it and i was very aware with john's music uh there are a thousand bass players who could have done could have done a great job on that music it's it, it it plays itself and if you happen to have heard the Beatles then you, you have a, a head start of a style that really works well with with John's uh, wonderful songs and uh, really it, musically as a bass player it was like falling off a log that expression or it was just like the bass playing 101 okay here's John Lennon doing a simple song and and you get to be the one to make up a bass part to it so so I didn't uh, kid myself that I was the only one that could have done that. I was the one who was lucky enough to be there, and it was a great honor and and uh, something musically I treasure to this day.
1: I mean, other people that you've been in sessions with. Justine and I had the pleasure to meet Alice Cooper. He Nice was, guy, isn't he? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. he was he was just yeah. like you, Tony, because he was so genuine and. I mean, he was just a normal guy. I was, mm-hmm. I was hoping it would be that way when we met him, but you never know. You're thinking rock and roll Hall of Famer, and this could really go bad. But no, he was so great. Yeah, just so kind.
2: Yes. yes. Well, I haven't seen him in in recent years, but the I did do a few albums with him, and they were very, like you said, very nice. He was practicing his golf swing with the practice golf balls while we worked out the songs. And when we were ready, he would join in do a vocal. There was none of the, the, the crazy onstage stuff as you would, if you think about it, you would figure there wouldn't be. And there wasn't. And there was a, a, a bunch of musicians trying to make good music.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, working with Lou Reed. What was that like?
2: Well, they're very different. Not that he's not a good guy, but uh, uh, you, do, you can't tell these things when you hear the record, but I was asked to play on his record and he wasn't there. I came in and overdubbed the bass. Uh, just just I, There were no other musicians there. The album had been mostly recorded. So I overdubbed bass, I think on only one song. And uh, that was the, the album Berlin. It came out, it did very well. I had no experience of Lou until many years later, we were on the same movie, a movie that Paul Simon wrote where I was playing the part of Paul Simon's bass player in the movie and, oh and, funny and, yeah it, it, that was easy they wow you know, wow I, I actually had <laughs> I had trouble even fitting into that part even though it was
1: me wow you, you're um, stereotyped right <laughs> off the bat <band>. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it
2: ended that ended my acting career right there you know this guy can only do one thing and Lou Reed played ironically played the part of a a jive record producer who was ruining uh, Paul's music uh very different than what he really was. And that's when I met him, it's in the mm. filming of, of uh, One Trick Pony, that movie. So nice guy and, and we miss him. Um, yeah. But, but it, it, interesting, if you, if you look back at the uh, albums, at behind the scenes of albums, uh, the, the, the two we mentioned give you an idea. Sometimes there's an, uh, a very limited interaction. Sometimes it's much more. And sometimes it, it, there was a day in 1976 that I was called same producer as Lou Reed, by the way, and Alice Cooper, uh, Bob Ezrin, wonderful producer, called me to come to Toronto in July 76 to do an album with this guy, Peter Gabriel, who had been in the band Genesis and was breaking off on his own. And I didn't know Peter, I didn't know Genesis's music. And on that day, the guitar player was Robert Fripp. So on that day in July 76, I met two guys who I am still m- making music with to <laughs> this day. And that's, that's even to me, that's amazing. And what a relationship musical and personal that started on that same day. And, and you know if, if life's twists and turns took me in a different direction, I might have not been there. Mm-hmm. And how different my musical career
1: would have been then. And, and probably Peter Gabriel and King Crimson, two different types of music, but I'm sure for you as a bass player, you have challenges with both.
0: Mm.
2: Very good point, and uh, I do indeed have challenges with both, but what comes to mind more than that is both of those, both Robert and and the King Crimson, the experience of having been in King Crimson and Peter Gabriel, both have inspired me musically to go in a different direction with my musicality, with my bass playing. They were both uh, what you might call progressive uh, uh, outlooks towards music and not doing things the way they were before, and not doing things in a normal way, uh, uh, and so they've been both very inspiring to me and, and both are a large part of why I play bass the way I do whatever way that is Uh those two gentlemen have a large part of it
0: mm-hmm. so, so then how, how, lucky, how, yeah. how does that translate then for your work with Pink Floyd then because they're kind of <laughs> well, in that my, same my work, vein. My, Yeah,
2: yeah uh, uh, however that was just a one one album uh, they called me into the studio to play on this album and it was great fun and I knew the genre I had heard Unlike uh, Genesis and Peter Gabriel, I had heard of Pink Floyd. I had heard Mm -hmm. their music and a great experience. Uh, David Gilmour was in charge of things. Same producer, Bob Ezrin. You've you've picked uh, all the albums I did with Bob Ezrin. Great experience and and great again, great being part of it. There are other players who could have done the part quite easily. In fact, I think David Gilmour had played most of the bass parts, uh, had put them down for me to hear the direction it, it ought to go to. I got to contribute a little of my own, musical sense the way it went and uh uh a year later they were to tour and i remember them asking me if i wanted to tour with the band and even though i kind of kind of felt bad about saying no to it it conflicted a little bit with the peter gabriel tour so i sat they had to say no to tour with, with think floyd and and didn't get that experience, but the such a classy organization, and and David is such a classy guy that at the end of that tour that I didn't do, he thought of having management call me and invited me to the the show at the end of show, end of tour party. When you think about it, that's a pretty kind, a pretty a new, surprisingly uh, kind gesture from a guy who's you know met a thousand people during that tour with with a crew of hundreds and all that going on. To think, well, well. Maybe we should invite Tony to this.
1: This, this <laughs> maybe show.
2: pretty nice. Pretty nice. David Bowie. Hmm. Yes, I I had the uh, uh, two recording experiences. I never played them with him live. Two. Uh, the first one was near Woodstock, where I live. He was recording up here. Kind of everybody knew it. It was sort of a little bit secretive, but everybody knew it. And and uh, he has a wonderful bass player, Gail Ann Dorsey, who's a neighbor of mine and a friend, and wonderful bass player and. There was a I think I'm not sure I have the story right but I think there was a fretless part needed and at that time she did she didn't have a fretless wasn't playing fretless bass so anyway I went up to this uh, studio kind of like a like a mansion off in the in the mountains and I went up there and I didn't know where which of the buildings was the the studio and which was something else and I just knocked on a door and David Bowie answered in his underwear and, and he was a little less, he didn't know me, and he was a little less than thrilled that this guy is knocking on his door and he said, what do you want? And I said, well, I, I want to, I had a bass in my arm. I said, I want to play on your album, actually. Uh, uh, where's the studio? And, and oh, he said, he understood that Tony Visconti, the producer, had set this up unbeknownst to David, and it's over there. And he, he pointed at the door that I should have gone in. And so that was my first experience. And I played one one song. I don't remember the name of the song, but one song on that album. And uh, fast forward a few years, and um, Gail was on tour with maybe uh, Pink. I'm not sure which band she was on tour with, and couldn't do one segment of recording for for the album that David Bowie was keeping a secret. He hadn't to, he hadn't recorded in a long time, and I was honored to be asked to come in for a week to record some mm-hmm. of the, not all, but some of the tracks on that album. Great stuff, and and that was when I learned uh, what a good musician he is the other the first one it's not that I thought he wasn't a good musician but I was playing to a track with this one he was there uh, singing and playing piano and uh, even though it's just kind of a little part of his multi-talented guy but he he really knew what he was doing as a pianist and as a a player and as as a director of letting the rest of us know how he wanted the song to go so those things came together those songs came together very easily Uh, you you feel like you're, you're really in the studio with a master at writing songs and and, and creating a mood and, and knowing how to get the record done the way it wants to be done.
1: I'm going to go back to backstage, touring, that kind of thing. Have you come across any acts, even Peter, King Crimson, or anybody have any pre-show rituals or things that they do for kind of good juju beforehand Uh, we've heard some interesting stories of you know some people do some people don't figure Tony Levin has a little insight (laughs) on you know some of that
2: different bands are very different Uh, uh, notably King Crimson this is on my mind because of the photos in my book I uh, (laughs) will do a, a thing it's a ritual before we come on go on stage and after we come off of of raising our hands in some kind of raising fists and and lowering them. It's a little hard to describe, but boy, I have a lot of photos of it. And I found <laughs> maybe I found maybe six to put in the book. I probably have six hundred of those pictures oh, because after okay. after a couple of years of doing it, I started doing it and also taking pictures of it at the same time. Tried putting a camera above, putting the camera down on the floor beneath us. Uh, okay, so so. When, the, when I'm writing the index of the book, and I want to describe this bizarre situation in these mm-hmm. photos, I thought, well, I don't really know why we're doing this. And, and so I wrote to Robert, <laughs> my friend, Robert Fripp, uh, the founder of uh, King Crimson, and I'm sure it's he that started it. And I, looking back at, through my photos, I, I could place it that it was in the mid-90s that we started doing it. And, and he didn't know. Why? He didn't remember that he had started it. So imagine hey. every night before we, before we go on stage and after we come off stage, a band is doing this very ritualistic thing, kind of serious, kind of kidding, and, and none of us has a clue why we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Robert, in that same hmm. subject of Robert's uh, uh, Fripp and the things we do in King Crimson, there's a jazz tradition when you call a song... Uh, if the, if the other band if the rest of the band doesn't know the key, there's a way to signal the key with your fingers. One finger up is means one sharp which means the key of G two fingers down would be B flat the key, uh, because it's two flats. Um, right so so that's a jazz tradition. I, I mm-hmm. used to be a jazz player so I knew that I didn't know Robert knew it but but before the King Crimson shows for, for a couple of tours he would play a soundscape he would he would create this, he called it a string quartet, but it was a soundscape, a very atonal thing. He would do it sound check. And then that would play as the audience came in. And and for a while, uh, we've gotten into the habit of, Robert said, well, let's go on stage while this is playing. And let's have Tony just join in on, on bass and play. Other guys can, but let's have the bass join in and then we'll go into our first piece. So then as we're lined up off stage, hearing this way in the distance going through the audience, Robert would give me a hand signal, like uh, in a jazz, with like a B flat or or one sharp, uh, mm-hmm. one sharp, or something like that. Uh, frankly, the stuff was pretty atonal, and after a while, after as the tour went on, it got more atonal, and more fingers would be. He'd be he having his fingers <laughs> going up and down, you know, with, <laughs> and so and I'd be taking pictures, by the way, of his fingers. Yeah. So that's another band ritual, <laughs> a smaller one that has it, absolutely no point, but it it helped. Uh, unwind. I mm-hmm. think King Crimson does before the show, and I have evidence of this in my many photos, is we're studying studying the set list. So to most bands I've been in, the set list isn't too important. You have it written out on stage, of course, <clears throat> so you remember it. But with King Crimson, there's a lot of uh, uh, technical stuff to do between songs and stuff. So you find uh, the the seven guys in the band all studying set lists backstage and consequently there our, are our management our tour management who are very efficient have the set list in each of our dressing rooms plus in the hallway plus in catering and then back backstage in the wing of the stage when we're about to go on there are three or four of them all hanging up by the way the set list is a normal setlist is 15, 17 songs. King Crimson, it might be 20 or 30 songs, which mm-hmm. is a long show with a lot of pieces. So there's a lot to, to, uh, to imbibe in. And uh, a typical, uh, aside from the raising of fists and, and whatever that means, uh, what that band will ritualistically do is be studying setlists in a very somber way and making our mental plans for how do we get through this show.
1: Any any rituals with uh, Peter Gabriel? Uh, you just crack open a bottle of red wine or something? Or? <laughs> uh, a,
2: a bottle of red wine before the show would be nice. That wouldn't work for me or most of the musicians <laughs> I work with. We kind of need our, our full facilities during the show. Peter, through the years, has had different things, some dance warm-ups, some vocal warm-ups, usually with a little, bit of a sense of humor. We know we're not uh, great dancers and, and the the, the Klutzy's dance steps we make uh are are as much for fun as as uh, for show and there was one time that that shankar was on the tour uh, uh playing a wonderful indian violinist and and singer and and uh, peter said shankar what's what's do you have like a a yoga vocal warm-up and shankar said sure so let's let's find a room a small empty room backstage before the show and uh all do it, or, or, or Peter, myself, and David Rhodes, the the guitar player who also sings in the show. So the four of us are in there, uh, sitting cross-legged, and, and Shankar, how will I describe this without screaming? <laughs> Shankar raised his hands above his head and screamed at the top of his lungs and, and in an alarming way, a very high scream, and so we did that, so the four of us screamed, at the, and the crew Open, tore open the door and came running in thinking something very bad was happening. And that's as far as that uh, <laughs> supposedly yoga uh, warm up went. And then Shankar he, just calmly lit a cigarette and walked off. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
1: he, and, he probably uh, a, thought yeah. of that on the way in yeah. and thought, I'm yeah, yeah this, this sounds good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I, totally I, bonus. I didn't ask where it came from, but the, the, in practice, it wasn't too useful. We didn't repeat that one, we, that's you know, funny. once was enough.
0: With the Because
2: yours of... are their best questions. Correct. Yes. So, yes. And you know, we playing to, we the to uh, did I say we waste? we gave Bruce some time? Yes, yes, you did. But now let's get to the back to
0: Justine. <laughs> it's just one back more. to the Justine <laughs> show. <laughs> Which way is catering with Justine? Over the lots and lots of meet and greets that you've done throughout the years, have you ever encountered like a diehard fan that was just a little too much?
2: That's a that's a, it's a, interesting uh, probably probably quite often but but uh, one learns to deal with that and, and you know one appreciates where it's coming from and and sure. kind of is it's a compliment and uh yeah it, certainly in life as well as backstage uh, you sometimes meet somebody whose enthusiasm <laughs> uh verges on being inappropriate for the situation mm-hmm. and as you can tell from the way i describe it it's, yes. it's not, gonna, not gonna throw me off my stride And I might even be so bold as to say uh, I love your enthusiasm, but perhaps it's a little. Some of it is a little inappropriate here. Uh, I don't have a rule about it. Uh, My instructors have been wonderful in that. Mainly Peter Gabriel. Since I've known him, you know, he's a superstar, a very famous guy, Mm -hmm. and I've seen him deal in a very human way, in a very down-to-earth way, deal with everybody in his life, including enthusiastic fans. And so I had a very good teacher in that sense. And I, I might not live up to. Peter's uh, extraordinary humility and, and down earthness but I do my best. And
1: okay. the next word out of your mouth is security? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it, it,
2: it, traditionally I was Peter's security in, only in the sense that uh, we would be going from the dressing room to on stage. This happened in, in Philadelphia and, and some fan had got backstage, shouldn't be backstage, and cornered Peter just mm-hmm. stopped him and said, this, you know, your lyrics on this one piece, can you just tell me what, and, and you hear the audience uh, roaring as we're about to hit the stage, and, yeah. and Peter just starts talking to the guy, and I'd be the one to tap Peter on the shoulder, and, and the guy on the shoulder, and say, excuse me, maybe after the show, could you guys continue this,
1: because there's this audience out there, so in that way I became the security guy for Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, Just to wrap this up, and we really appreciate your Mm -hmm. time today, Tony. And it's been great to see you again. And um, just get down to, you know, just kind of sit down and talk with you. But is there something you can let us know about Tony Levin that nobody really knows about? Well,
2: okay. I've taken up cigar smoking. There you go.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: Healthy guy haven't smoked vegetarian, haven't smoked in a long time. I've taken up cigar smoking. There I'm sorry. I can't be more, uh, no, that's, uh, uh, staggeringly no, shocking, but that's, no, like, there
1: you go. No,
2: that's everyone is taking that's, up something, yeah. you know, it's, uh, but, but you said you summed it up when you said that's, <laughs> that's, that's yes, yes, it, that's, that's something it. we'll edit out of the show. No. That's,
0: <laughs> yes. that's and we'll get in- to editing right, right now. Uh,
2: that's very interesting,
1: Tony. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, and that's... to finish the show on a high note, <laughs> <whomp>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. thanks, um, Bruce. When, thanks, Bruce. Thanks, <laughs> Bruce. Any uh, Peter plans at all?
2: None that I've heard of. I oh, okay. it, it has happened sometimes in my history that I hear about it. That everyone else knows about it, even the public, before I hear about it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know of any tour. Uh, and I the, when I last saw him, and I've heard uh, on the web that he's working on a solo album, I haven't played on much of that, uh, and I don't know much about it, but mm-hmm. uh, one hopes. It, I'm a band, in, in the case of Peter, I'm two things. I'm a band member, and I'm his friend, well, that's already two things, but there's a third thing. I'm a fan, so I hope whether I'm on it or not, I hope there's a an album, a new album mm-hmm. before too mm-hmm. long, and uh, if there's a tour, I would guess that I would be on it. But even if I wasn't on it, I, I the fan in me longs for a Peter Gabriel tour, yeah, and and more of more Peter, Peter's
1: music because that's mm-hmm. what we love. But no, Tony, thanks a lot for taking the time out to talk to Justine and I. And like I said, it's been great to see you again and hope we can do it again real soon and hopefully in person.
0: Yeah, and hopefully we can see you play. That would be nice. Enjoy some live music.
2: I don't want to forget to mention that uh, if anyone were interested in getting my book, that's through TonyLevin.com.
0: Perfect. And it is a
2: coffee table book that you can put on your coffee table. I, I, I tried to make it in the shape of a coffee table, but it wouldn't work.
0: Or your cigar table, your smoking stand. Yeah. There you go. yeah.
2: if you were so lucky as to be able to smoke indoors, which I'm not allowed to do. <laughs> do, you,
1: do you do you have a smoking jacket? Yeah, your long jackets. There. Yeah.
0: How many long jackets do you have? Like, do you long have a jackets. Yeah. That you so,
2: wear on stage. You're so, you're- oh, that that's that's not mine. That's tour tour uh, uh, wardrobe. You don't, you that don't get lives to keep them. In, no, that lived in a wardrobe trunk mm. somewhere in the in the bowels of real-world studios.
1: Mm.
0: Wow. I thought you had yeah. maybe like a coat closet with like, you know, 200. Can I,
2: can I tell you? No, no, I <laughs> want to tell you this. Uh, okay. there was oh, a, yeah. King Crimson reformed in the 90s, have been, have been unformed in the 80s, maybe in the mid-90s, 94, and we finally, one thing led to another. We did an album. We were on our first tour and uh, the wardrobe trunk emerges where it had been in storage. And, and we, we get dressed for the first show. And, and, and as we're about to go on, Robert looks at my shirt and he says, that's a, that's a really nice shirt. And I said, thank you. And he, and he looks at it again and says, that's a wonderful shirt. And I said, thank you. And he said, that's my shirt. I've been looking for that shirt since the 80s. And I said, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was my wardrobe.
1: But it looks better on you.
2: I thought it looked better on me.
0: Did you have to give him the shirt? Or did you get? To I gave him.
2: It? I gave him back his shirt. Not that. Not before the show, but after the show, I gave him back his shirt.
0: You sweated in it first. Oh uh, well. <laughs> yes. Got it all
1: gross.
2: Yes, yes.
1: So how That's much? That's my shirt. So looking at your uh, zip up there, how much Peter Gabriel swag do you got in your closet? <laughs> yeah.
2: uh it's just this. It's oh. tour, tour, no, it's tour swag is free. At the end of the tour, they gave us a sweatshirt or, or a t-shirt, oh, nice. or two t-shirts. Yeah, so multiply that times, I don't know, 60? How many tours have I done? Oh my god. And gosh. So, so I have no non-tour. It's not that I have collected tour stuff. It's just that I don't have any other stuff because i never (laughs) need to get it so everything uh, if i'm lucky i wear one that says tony on the front so if i have a senior moment and can't remember what i'm doing (laughs) uh i also have a a bass player magazine gave me a a, a very nice jacket that not only says tony but it says bass player so I can remember everything about myself. Everything. Just looking <laughs> Who you right, are, at my, what you at do. My chest. <laughs> But I have to read it upside down and backwards. That's the challenge. Yeah, oh. yeah,
1: that's. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you, folks. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thanks Very a nice. lot, Tony. And uh, like you, like we were saying, I hope we can see you in person when you're in town, and maybe we could. That'd be nice. Go for a go for a Harley ride or something, and yeah. it would be great. Excellent. Thanks, right. guys.
0: Bruce and I want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce.
1: If you'd like to drop us a line, you can email us at whichwayiscatering at gmail.com or visit us at varietyattractions.com.
0: A big thank you to our sponsors, Branigan Inc. and Spectrum Weather Insurance.
1: Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce.
0: Served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence.
1: That's fabulous.